0: The last stages of our visit in Revelation, the last time we were together we uh, and looking at the book of Revelation, we were in chapter 21 where we were uh, discussing what uh, heaven is like and we looked at uh, a couple of aspects of what heaven is like. Uh, we saw uh, the appearance of heaven, uh, a new heaven, a new earth. and We saw the appearance of the new Jerusalem. Uh, the dwelling place of god and we uh, uh, began to to understand some of of what uh the new jerusalem is and what it uh what it looks like and we saw kind of a a view of the new jerusalem from the outside last time and we talked about it uh at, in detail about uh the size and scope of of this uh uh, uh city of god uh, uh now this is not to be confused with heaven itself. Heaven uh new heaven and new earth is going to be limitless. It will be infinite. Uh everything that uh that will be at this time will be a new creation of God and and uh the old heaven and old earth will be uh uncreated. Uh one scholar said, it, it, not destroyed uh, necessarily uh in the sense of what of destruction like we and uh, know and And understand, but uh, that God would uncreate heavens and the earth and create a new heaven and a new earth. And the New Jerusalem is, in essence, like a capital city. Uh, And uh, uh, we we saw in the description of this uh, place that it's a square city, a square. Uh, It is the same. Uh, in height as it is in width and depth and so it's a uh, 150 I, I heard one uh uh commentator say it was 150 miles uh in each direction so uh that that is the size of the new Jerusalem not heaven itself but the new Jerusalem and they said if you took all the, the statistics of all the people that ever uh lived on the earth from Uh, I don't know how you would do that going back very far, but uh, they said uh, basically um, that each uh, Christian would have about three square miles uh, of space. I don't know how they got there. I don't know how they uh, uh, devised that. Uh, But uh, it is going to be a very large city in terms of uh, the size and the scope. Uh, This is the dwelling place of God. This is where God will dwell amongst us. Uh, We will uh or we will dwell amongst uh with God in this place this is the uh, uh the city of God and it is the uh basically been described as the capital city of heaven uh where uh we all will come and and be together in this one location um not that we ha- uh and this uh is a city that is Described uh, as a translucent jewel, like a uh, described like a diamond, uh, uh, in that you can see through uh, this great jewel and all the and that makes sense in in essence because what makes a diamond precious to so many is not just the, the fact that it's so uh, one of the, it is the hardest substance uh, known to man but also for the fact of of the refractions the uh, uh the fit uh the different r- refractions that uh it, that are made onto the diamond and how light is refracted by it and uh, this is a city that is to augment the fact of the light of god the very glory of god is being uh, refracted all over and and uh, the brilliance of God's presence, His glory, is shining all around uh, for all to to see His glory and to see. And so we have come into this uh, this uh, time in which we see uh, that the city is is uh, forty four cubics uh, according to the measure of man and the angel. And the building of the wall was of jasper and pure gold, uh, like clear glass. And so uh, we see all of this, and we see the 12 gates. And we came down to verse 22. That's where we stop. Uh, so that's where we will start today. And I saw no temple there, for uh, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings... Uh, "...of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all the day, for there shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life." And it showed me a pure river, chapter 22, a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb of God in the midst of the street of it. And on either side of the river was there a tree of life which bare 12 manner of fruits yielding her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and there uh, there shall be no need of a candle, uh, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So this is uh, the next section of Scripture that we're dealing with in terms of the appearance of uh, of this new Jerusalem. And... Uh, all of these things indicate a different aspect of what life is like uh, when we uh, will be in heaven for all eternity and when we uh, see the new Jerusalem and see uh, this uh, glorious city that is uh, the dwelling place of God uh, that we will be able to enjoy in His presence and be uh, able to uh always commune with God. And so uh, the first aspect is is that there be uh, there's not going to be a temple in heaven. Uh, the, he says, I saw no temple there, for the Lord God Almighty said, the Lamb uh, are the temple of it. Uh, and the city had no need of the sun either. Uh, so that's... Uh, first of all, let's talk about the temple. Uh, when we uh, have seen other images and views of heaven uh, before. We've seen uh, a temple in heaven. We've uh, seen uh, at the beginning of Revelation where it talks about the lampstand and the uh, the throne of God and we saw a great altar in heaven uh, uh, and we've we've seen all of these aspects of of heaven uh, prior to this and they all indicate and look like uh, a image of the temple of God that uh, that God directed uh, uh, Moses to to construct uh, while they were uh, using the tabernacle, and then uh, the temple that was constructed later by Solomon and succeeding temples after that. They were all constructed in the same manner to look the same as the tabernacle, uh, but the temple being a permanent fixture as opposed to the uh, the uh, Tent version of the tabernacle, and these, uh, in essence, were a mirror image of the vision of of what heaven is like in heaven, in which uh, will uh, 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 what was seen uh, by uh, other visions throughout Scripture of it looking uh, very much like a temple. And so, uh, John here is is sharing uh, this vision of the new heaven, new. Uh, Jerusalem, and he says there's no temple there. Uh, What would be the significance of that? Well, uh, right off, there's no temple because uh, mainly the temple was an instrument uh, by which uh, sacrifices were offered to God as a way of making atonement for the people of God, uh, making atonement with God so that they might come into the presence of God, be able to enter into the presence of God and be able to uh, commune with God because their sins have been forgiven and be able to uh, exonerate themselves before God uh, through the offering of the sacrifice. And the significance of the fact that there will be no temple in heaven is the fact that uh, this will be a time in which all of sin... And all of uh, the influences of sin has been removed uh, from uh, heaven and earth there's no more need for uh, a temple because uh, we have direct relationship with God a direct communion with God through the work of Jesus Christ through his uh, uh, his shedding his blood for our sins and being the Eternal sacrifice that paid for our sins, the only sacrifice that could be paid that would exonerate uh, mankind uh, uh, permanently. All of the sacrifices that were given, you go back to the book of Leviticus and uh, you read about uh, all the different things that the Israelites had to do in order to. Uh, uh, be able to be in a good relationship with God, being a, offering up uh, sacrifice for uh, uh, the first fruits, offering up sacrifice of uh, different uh, harvests, the wheat harvests and other things that were going on, offering up sacrifices because of, of sin, offering up sacrifices as a friendship offering to God. Uh, all of these things, all these sacrifices were made so that uh, the children of Israel would know how to live and act with God and be able to uh, come together with god and and now they are uh, now we are living in a time in which uh, there 's no need for all of those sacrifices because of what Jesus Christ did, uh, but we still need salvation we still need uh, Jesus Christ to atone for our sins at the time of this. Uh, Uh, new heaven and new earth. We've already passed through uh, the tribulation. We've passed through uh, the time of judgment. We've passed through God uh, bringing His final judgment upon uh, Satan and sin and all the things that uh, relate to our separation from God. This is a time in which we enjoy fellowship with God, a time in which we are uh, joined with God uh, and all of the sin that that we have uh, had in our life has been eliminated. All and remember, uh, uh, God has uh, proclaimed that once He forgives our sin, that He is uh, He doesn't uh, recall that sin; He takes it and wipes it away. It's no longer it's not like what we do with people when when we have problems with uh, our relationships with one another and somebody does something against us we might say well I forgive you but uh, guess what? You ladies aren't the only ones. We remember everything that happens to us and and we might say we, we forgive you, but uh, uh, the first chance that something comes up, you're going to use that to your advantage because we tend to think of ourselves as better than everyone else. We tend to think that everything that we do is right. And so uh, we always try and justify everything that we do. Well, I only did that because you did uh, what you did, or I only did that because of this, or because of somebody else. We try and make excuses for it. We don't take responsibility and say, I was wrong, I did... We might at one point, but we still... Uh, think of what we did many times as as justified and right and all that. All of that is eliminated. None of that is relevant in new heaven and new earth. All of that is gone because all of our sin has been wiped away. All of our sin has been uh, erased and we no longer are dealing with a sinful world uh, and we're no longer dealing with sin in our lives. It's been eliminated. Now remember, the Bible tells us that there'll be no more tears. Uh, we talked about that. Uh, the things that were not in heaven—no uh, more tears. There are no more uh, sinful people. There were no more influences of sin. All of those things were eliminated by God, and now we live in—we'll in, uh, live in a in eternity without the influence of sin and so therefore there's no need for sacrifice there's no need for temple because there's no separation between us and God we have that direct uh, relationship that direct uh, communion with God and so there's no need for a temple Uh, we see that there's still a throne uh, as mentioned here because God is high and exalted and lifted up Uh, there is uh, the uh aspects of of the uh, of this new Jerusalem that shows the glory of God but no need for a temple uh in the city and there's no need also for sun why because God's glory is shining throughout there's no more night there's no it's not going to have a day and night it'll be always uh, uh lit by the glory of God God's glory Will not be obscured by our sin. No longer are we going to live in a in a existence in which uh, we will uh, have uh, darkness as a part of our life. Remember, darkness is, has has uh, always been a symbol of of sin. Uh, the Bible tells us that evil men do uh, things in darkness because they want to hide what they do. Uh, there's no more evil. There's no more uh, uh, sin. There's no more Uh, people that are going about doing evil things. Uh, Everything is lit by God because God's glory uh, will be transcended. It will be throughout all of uh, the new heaven and new earth and and especially this uh, uh, new Jerusalem that will be there. God's presence will be felt everywhere and God's glory will uh, will shine throughout. It says, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God to light it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And So uh, God's presence, God's existence there, God's uh, 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 glory will light up everything and there'll be no darkness, uh, uh, there'll be no hint of uh, sinfulness, and the, and the city will have no night. And it says in verse 24, he says, The nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. Uh, so this would be a place in which God's glory will uh, radiate and God's uh, glory will will shine throughout. All of those who are uh, the saved will uh, walk in the light of God's glory. Everyone who is present at uh, in the new Jerusalem present in heaven uh, and earth at, uh, at that time will be uh, the saved and we will all walk in God's glory we will all live in the glory of God uh now remember in scripture we uh, read about uh, the encounter that Moses had with God and the encounter that Moses had with God on mount Sinai when the children of Israel were just coming out of Egypt uh, was is that uh, Moses went up uh, Mount Sinai and he uh, stayed there for 40 days with God and when he came down from the mountain uh, the Israelites uh, who saw his face saw the glory of God radiating from him uh, and uh, they were uh, afraid of the glory of God because why they uh, they Uh, don't see, uh, we don't see on a regular basis the glory of God. They were fearful not because uh, Moses looked ugly or that he looked scary or anything like that, but they were fearful of the fact that God's glory was radiating from him. And anytime you're in the presence of God, God's presence uh, uh, illuminates our sinfulness. God's glory shines in the darkness of our life and displays to us our sinfulness. Anytime we come in in the presence of God, anytime we are in uh, any uh, place in which God's righteousness and God's glory is revealed, uh, it shines and is a demonstration of how guilty we are in our sin. The reason that Israel... Uh, the Israelites did not want to see the glory shining and radiating off of Moses' face was not that Moses was, uh, was uh, glorious or Moses was... Uh, righteous uh, to the point of of having that fear, but it was the fact that he was in the presence of God's glory and illuminated and and shone a light on the sinfulness of Israel. And so that's why uh, Moses had to cover his face uh, whenever he came uh, down from the mountain uh, and was around The Israelites. And it says that Moses, every time he was around the Israelites, he covered his face. But when he went in to uh, be in the presence of God, when uh, God uh, came and met with him in the meeting place, he took the covering off of his face and uh, uh, was in the presence of God. And of course, we understand and know from uh, that. Discourse in Exodus as well, that uh, Moses did not see God directly face-to-face. Uh, Moses saw, uh, was in his presence, but was not able to see him face-to-face because when Moses uh, was about to uh, leave the presence of God and go down from Mount Sinai, he said to, to God, he says, I want to see you face-to-face, I want to see you. And God said to him, you can't see my face and yet live. Why? Because of God's glory and the sinfulness of man. Man's sinfulness would not allow the glory of God to radiate uh, and uh, to be seen fully. And so uh, God said to Moses, I'll allow you to uh, be in the cleft of the rock. Remember, and that's where we get that beautiful hymn about uh, God covering us in the cleft of the rock. And God placed his hand over uh, Moses and walked by and he said, uh, that after he would go by he would remove his hand and allow Moses to see a fainting glimpse of God as he went by and see the uh in some translations it says the backside of God but basically what it means is is to be to see a, the fleeting uh image of God as he uh, leaves the presence of Moses, uh, and that is significant here because what it says here is is that uh, we will uh, that the uh, earth and all of heaven will be lit by the glory of God will be able to be in His presence, and it says uh, that the gates of heaven will be open because there'll be no night uh, there. Uh, this is significant uh, because. Uh, these are people that live during a time in which gates are important. Gates do a lot of things. Walls, cities, and gates are a place of refuge. They're a place of safety. When those who are coming to do harm uh, to the inhabitants of the city, uh, they would uh, they blow the ram's horn. All the people that were out in the fields working, as well as those who lived in, outside the city walls, would all rush into the city walls and they would close the gates and at night they would close the gates as well uh, to keep anything that might do people harm out of the city keep the city safe and here it says that there uh, that the gates will never close it's not just because there'll be no night it's that there'll be no evil that would be able to come in into the presence of god there'll be no evil in the world there'll be no evil in heaven and so there's no need for the gates to be closed because there's uh, the gates are there not to uh, keep anyone out or to uh, keep people in. The gates are there uh, to welcome those who come into the city, uh, but there'll be no need to close the gates and there'll be no gates that'll be closed uh, because it says uh, they shall bring... The honor and uh, the glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those are the only that everyone in heaven at this time will be written in the lamb's book of life there'll be no danger there's no abominations no sinfulness that enter into the city or, or attempt to enter into the city no need to close the gates there'll be no uh influence of sin uh, then we see in chapter 22 verse 1 he says and uh he showed me a river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now, this is significant because basically the new heaven and the new earth, there no, uh, will not be a water-based existence. We are primarily our bodies are made up of uh, primarily liquid water and other liquids Uh, we live in a world where water is essential we live in a world that is 80 percent water Uh, we live uh, in an existence that's dependent upon water the new earth that god will create there'll be a there is a noted lack of water there's no uh, rivers there's no uh, uh, oceans, there's no lakes, there's nothing that separate us. Uh, we, we don't have to depend upon water. Uh, but there is this crystal river that flows out of the throne of God. That's an important significance because uh, this uh, crystal river that flows out of the throne of God is... Symbolic, not symbolic, but it is uh, representative of the salvation of God. The river that flows from the throne of God is God's salvation to all mankind. Not that we need this river of water that uh, to have salvation in the presence of God in heaven, but rather it is a demonstration of the salvation of God. Why? Why do I say that? Because it says the river doesn't have a source in the earth from a spring or a river doesn't have a source from waters running off of a mountain or anything because of rain or ice or snow that melts it is coming the source is the throne of God and it says that the river's source is not only the throne but from God and Jesus Christ and so Uh, The river is representative of the salvation of God that comes and brings uh, salvation to mankind. And so that's uh, the existence of this crystal river that comes and proceeds from the throne of God. And it says, "...in the midst of the street of it, uh, on either side of the river, there was a tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations." Okay, uh, this tree of life that uh, that is on either side of the river is uh, harping back to the Garden of Eden. Now, the tree of life in the Garden of Eden uh, was a tree that was in the midst of the garden and uh, we understand and know that uh, that it was uh a way, the way in which mankind uh Adam and Eve uh, uh had uh life with god they it represented god's sustenance to them um, uh, when they sinned and they were cast out of the garden they were cast out of the garden because uh one of the reasons was is that God said that they needed to limit the access to the tree of life from mankind that those that were born after Adam and Eve and uh, all of mankind afterward, uh, God did not want them to take part of the tree of life. Uh, this tree is, is very different in that it has 12 different fruits. How many trees do you know that has any more than one fruit? None. None. Uh, so this is is uh, a reference to uh, all those who are throughout heaven, no matter where they come from, no matter where they are a part of, it brings uh, life and it is eternal life for all of mankind. Uh, not that you have to eat the fruit in order to stay alive in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that it is demonstrative of God's provision for eternal life for us. And the significance is that it's near the Crystal River. Crystal River, I remember I said, is symbolic of salvation of God coming from God and Jesus Christ. And with salvation comes eternal life so the trees are are representative of the eternal life that we receive from god uh, when we uh, receive salvation into our hearts and the leaves it says here bring healing now this is uh, perplexing to some because they don't understand what they're reading here. Healing in uh, for most of us is we think of healing when we pray for somebody to, to be healed of a condition like being healed of uh, the cold or being healed uh, because of uh, an accident uh, and receiving healing or being healed of God because uh, they have something that uh, is more significant, like problem with your uh, thyroid or problem with cancer or problem with uh, uh, another disease of of some sort that 's not the healing that it 's referring to here. Why? How am I able to say that definitively because god 's already eliminated all the uh, all the uh, consequences of sin. And illnesses and being uh, uh, sick and and having uh, problems with uh, with sickness are all indicative of the curse of sin, so what the healing here is referring to is the healing that relates to uh, a healing in our relationship to God, a restoring of our uh, uh, relationship to God. It's not that you take leaves and put it on your arm because you've got an ouchie or a, a cut or something like that, but rather the leaves uh, there are referring to the restoration of the nations to their relationship to God. Uh, it says in verse 3, "...there shall be no more curses, will be, uh, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him." and they shall see His face. That's important here. Remember I said that we'll be able to see the face of God. Uh, here's the evidence. We shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they shall have no need for candle, needing the light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So again, we hear uh, the significance of uh, uh, light, and also of seeing the face of God. We're at this point, we will be able to see God face to face. That's one of the, the greatest blessings of heaven. It's not, uh, mansions. Uh, there's several scholars that say, uh, mansions is never, uh, mentioned in terms of, uh, where Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house are many. Mansions, that's how it's translated. The word uh, actually means rooms. There'll be many rooms, uh, and that goes along with the metaphor of uh, the bridegroom going and preparing a place for the bride. Usually it was an addition onto the house of the father. And that's what Jesus is saying at that time, as he's saying in that same metaphor of, uh, "I'm the bridegroom, you are uh, the church is the bride. I'm going to prepare a place for you, just like uh, the bridegroom goes and prepares during the uh, engagement period, or betrothal period, of a place for them to live, added on to the father's house. He's saying, "I'm going uh, to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you will be also, right? All of that fits in there in terms of understanding of a room, not that God's uh, got, uh, you know, uh, Beverly Hills on steroids, uh, where all these mansions are up there, and uh, why would you want to be away from God in heaven? And being in a separate house and being uh, away from God in a house is being away from God. We're going to be in a place where we are in His presence, where we will see Him face to face as we've never seen God before and interacted with God before. And that's the, the glory of heaven is is to see uh, God and to see Him face to face and to be in His presence. Again, no more night. There'll be no more need for sun or candles or anything because uh, we'll have an eternity of seeing God face to face and uh living within his glory, living in the glory light of God, and being able to uh, uh, to enjoy his presence and that 's an image inside of this New Jerusalem, so we saw New Jerusalem appear, we saw from the outside, and uh, this is an image a view of the New Jerusalem inside and what heaven will be like in all of eternity. Uh, and this is something that uh, has perplexed a lot of people because we have... Uh, I was talking about that just today to someone at work and, and talking to them about... They asked me, you know, what what's heaven like? And so for so many people... Um, they ha- we have a distorted view of heaven because we uh, believe traditions of pearly gates and streets of gold, and and we're going to be sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp, and uh, with wings and all that kind of stuff. And the devil's a, a, a red man with horns and a pitchfork, and all these misconceptions of. And all the angels are little Cupids that they're that going around big chubby fat babies that have wings and uh that's not what angels look like that's not what the devil's like that's not what heaven's like uh but this is an image into heaven that we can see and the greatest gift is of heaven is to be in his presence not streets of gold not a mansion not uh being able to sleep for uh eons of time and and do nothing and sit around and eat grapes and and strum a harp but that we're in the presence of god that we get to see him face to face and that we get to worship him and adore him and exalt him that's what true heaven is and that's what we uh, look forward to and what we need to share with others uh, of being back in that right relationship with god relationship with adam and eve in the garden Before sin was what God desired for His creation and relationship with mankind was what He desired. That's what God is going towards in the new heaven, new earth, new Jerusalem for all eternity. And so that's what we look forward to. Let's pray. Dear gracious Father, God, we thank You and praise You so much for uh, the... The hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the hope of of our sins being forgiven, the hope of an eternity in your presence, the hope and the and the joy of knowing and understanding um, being in your presence and glorifying you, magnifying you and, and exalting you and worshipping you, Lord, lead us throughout our day throughout our evening that we might uh, grow in our relationship with you, grow in our love for you so that we'll be prepared. For the day that we join with you in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.